Matthew chapter 11, verse 2. Now when John had heard in the prison the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said unto him, Art thou he that should come, or do we look for another? Jesus answered and said unto them, Go and show John again. Notice the word again. This may not be the first time John sent for an answer. Go and show John again those things which ye do hear and see. The blind receive their sight and the lame walk. The lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up and the poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is he whosoever shall not be offended in me. My focus is verse number 6. Blessed is he whosoever shall not be offended in me. And today my sermon is entitled, Are You Blessed or Offended? Thank you and you can be seated in the presence of the Lord. Go with me, if you will, to John's prison cell. Imagine, if you will, having been the one picked out and even prophesied of in Old Testament Scripture, the very one that would literally baptize our Lord Jesus Christ and thus fulfill all righteousness. Imagine being the one that had the distinct privilege of exclaiming to the world for the first time, in such fashion as to say, Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. And then imagine in his humanity the frustration that he must have felt when his preaching the gospel and pointing others to Christ landed him in prison. I don't know about you, but if it were me, I would probably give in to the weaker side of myself and start throwing a pity party. I would be tempted to listen to the lies of the devil that would say to me, after all you did for Jesus and this is what you get. It could be possible that John the Baptist was influenced by the old school way of thinking of his day and that he expected an earthly king to set up rule and reign right then and there, not completely understanding that his mission was to come the first time to set up the kingdom of God in our hearts. Not understanding then why he doesn't use military force to establish his presence in the earth and to rescue his uh, messengers out of prison and put them in positions of authority it could be this mindset from which John begins to question whether or not Jesus is even the one that they were supposed to be looking for and so as John is grappling with these things and I know that I'm making some assumptions and you'll have to forgive me for doing so if you do not agree with my perspective uh, it begs the question what would you have done in this situation would you have possibly 
been taunted by the devil and said, you serve God and you gave everything, you put your life on the line and now look where it's landed you. And so John is searching. The good news is he's not completely walked away from the Lord. He's simply seeking answers to difficult questions that he does not personally know the answer to. And Jesus uh, just repeated what John had already known and heard and seen, that Jesus is touching the blinded eyes. He's touching the lame that they would walk. He's cleansing lepers of their leprosy. Uh, He's touching deaf ears that they might hear. And he's even raising the dead so that they will live again. And the poor are being preached to without taking up an offering or requiring them to compensate the system for having done so. In other words, Jesus is doing everything miraculous that could possibly be done to point to him as the Lord and Savior. And then Jesus caps his instructions to his disciples to tell John, and this is the last thing he says to say to John, Blessed is he whosoever shall not be offended in me. Now, I've laid the groundwork to help you understand what is possibly the mindset of John at this point as he is at a pivotal moment of persecution in his life. The word blessed in verse 6 means fortunate, well-off, and happy. It says blessed is he. What is the condition? Whosoever shall not be offended in me. A deeper look into this word offended means to be scandalized. I looked that up in the Webster's Dictionary. And according to Webster, to be scandalized, listen, is to be offended or to completely walk away, never to return again, by some action supposed criminal. So Jesus is saying... If you can serve me and not be offended and, and, and not be accusatory, not get upset at your heavenly Father's instructions and assignment that he has given you, difficult as it may be, then you will be a blessed man. What he's essentially telling uh, uh, John the Baptist while he's in prison is this, if you can maintain an attitude of gratitude in your prison cell, no matter what happens to you next, you're still a blessed man. We might consult Job to better understand what this is actually saying when Job said in Job chapter 1 and verse 22, or the Bible said about Job rather, in all this Job sinned not, nor charged God foolishly. In other words, he didn't become so offended at losing everything after he had given God everything that he walked away from God and he didn't charge God foolishly. He didn't bring up accusations against God as if God were a criminal, as if God did something wrong. How many people have you heard of in your lifetime since you've been a, a servant of the king who, uh, who uh, has fallen out by the wayside because something bad happened in their life and they do not understand why God would allow, quote, unquote, bad things to happen to people? People get offended when they discover that the journey of faith does not ensure an air-conditioned ride all along the way. 
they get upset whenever they figure out that if anything, you're not signing up uh, for a cruise, you're signing up for a battleship. That you're signing up to wage war against the very gates of hell and consequently you will be fought every single step of the way. And God is not always going uh, to make it easy on you and I. It is par for the course to serve God and get hurt and get back up and serve God anyway. Can somebody say amen? And God is looking for some Christians today who are not so easily offended by so little a matter. Because let's face it today, the persecution that we face, especially here in America, pales in comparison to the traumatic events of Christians around the earth who are literally giving their lives for the cause of Christ. We get upset if somebody don't remember to mention us uh, in prayer service. We get upset uh, if the preacher didn't shake our hand. We get upset if the deacon didn't call me on my birthday. And uh, God help us all if we can't handle any more trauma than that in the Christian world today. Somebody might as well say amen this morning. And uh, we get offended so easily. And so many people are out because uh, uh, someone did not live up to their expectations of what a Christian should have treated them like. And so they're out. They say, well, if that's the way church is, if that's the way Christianity is, if that's the way them church folk are going to act, I don't have to participate. I can stay at home and worship my God. And so they attempt it. And many are offended, that is, they have walked away rather than choosing the blessing of staying. Now, I've got, I've got to unpack this for you, and we're going somewhere. I'm going to feed you if you'll listen this morning. Stay with me. I want to say this. God is going to ask you to do some things for His name and kingdom that are often painful, that are often pricey, that are often imprisoning, but that in the end will be powerfully effective. And the question is, can you do them without being offended? Everyone loves to talk about all they will do for God, but nobody wants to acknowledge the offense behind what they are not doing for God. Many today have excused their lack of service to God for something besides the root cause, which is truly that they are offended. Well, I would step up, but the last time I stepped up, I got hurt. And they're offended. Oh, they may be present in body, but they're absent in action. They've walked away in their heart. They've walked away in their attitudes. They've walked away in their lack of action. I'm going to get to all this in just a minute. Let me give you the, the three things. There are essentially three groups of people on the average, I believe, in our church roles today. I believe they can categorically be put into two categories, those that are offended and those that are blessed. Let me break it down for you. Number one, we look at those who are, I would call them, mostly absent. These are definitely offended 
by their very absence sake. I, I could point you to John chapter 6 and verse 66 when after Jesus preached that except ye eat my flesh and drink my blood, uh, ye are not my disciples. And many were offended and walked no more with him. They could not handle that kind of, that level of commitment to the cause of Christ. And, and, and shame on us, amen, uh, if, if, if we run off for far less things than that. We got it out here on the church sign. We men chase mice while lions devour the world. If you're going to be offended, at least let it be something worth being offended over. Amen. If you're going to quit, let it not be something petty, something irrelevant in the grand scheme of eternity. But these were absent from that time. Many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. And I have to wonder where are all the people listed on our church rolls today? Why, if everybody that claims to be a member of Washington Heights Baptist Church physically actually showed up, uh, the house would be full probably. What happened? Now, I, I know there are exceptions, and I'm not uh, using blanket statements to put all in one category because I know there are many reasons people can't be here. But I want to talk to those who aren't here for no other reason than the fact that they're offended. Where are you in your post when God needs you the most? Right now, when the, when the church is being crippled by inactive members, when the church needs strength and assistance and help and support and guidance more than we ever have in our existence in these end days, when you're needed most, where are you? And I'm calling you out. I know some are probably not even here. But somehow or another, the Holy Ghost might get this message to them. And if that's you, I'm asking you, where are you? God is accepting excuses. He's giving orders. He said, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations. And there's no excuses. When you're over a military, which Jesus Christ is, amen, uh, he is over the militant church of the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, amen, uh, and the gates of hell's not going to prevail against us. Uh, but he is calling us to active duty in a, in, in a church crisis where many have gone inactive and, and they've gone absent. And I say mostly absent because some will occasion us uh, on a special event uh, and they have time for God when it's convenient. But God is calling us closer. God is calling us to commitment, the kind of commitment that will cost you personally, that will be very pricey for you, that it may even imprison you and restrict you in some ways. Uh, uh, to, to, it, it may cost you your agenda. It may cost you your plans and your purpose for your own life. But the Bible says that if you'll serve Him without offense, uh, that you will be a blessed person. So we see those who are mostly absent. Secondly, we see those who are missing in action. These ne don't necessarily mean that they're absent. These are likely offended in their actions or their attitude. Jesus uh, turned around to the, the 12 disciples after all that other bunch left and said, Are you going to leave too? 
And I've seen it, and you've seen it, where people show up because they know they're supposed to, but that's the only reason they show up. Other than that, their attitude stinks. They're not going to get involved in anything, but they're going to, they're going to pretend like they're okay. They're going to convince themselves uh, that they've done God a service by just showing up. Uh, but God wants more than your presence. He wants your activity. He wants you to get engaged and involved in the process of propagating the gospel throughout the earth. He wants to know where you are on the front lines of his kingdom. Amen. And uh, there are many who may be present, but they're not accounted for. And I think this fits a good majority of churches today, where it's, it's easier to fill the church pew up than it is the prayer room. It's easier to fill the church pew up than it is the soul winning class. It's easier to fill the church pew up than it is to get somebody to actually be willing to boldly and unapologetically share their faith in a public place. And God don't want you to just be present and unaccounted for, but He wants to see what are you doing to make sure that His name is being known. So these are, I call them missing in action. They may be present, but they're not active. I want to ask you a question personally. Have you gone away? I didn't ask if you come into church. Obviously you are. You wouldn't be here listening to me. But where, are your, where is your heart? Walking with religion isn't the same thing as walking with Jesus. We can create a whole list of religious things to do and still miss the entire point. Be religiously active and spiritually in poverty. Powerless. Not even have enough power to bring forth a convert. Oh, God, help us as a church to just not be uh, hearers of the word, but doers also. For James chapter 1 and verse number 25 says, But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty you see you have a perfect book and you have a perfect savior and he is the one that you should be serving and not me and not anybody else amen get your eyes off the imperfections of the church and get your eyes on the perfection of this book Get your eyes off the imperfections of the preacher or the choir or the deacon or the, or the church, fellow church member. Get your eyes on the perfect Savior and you'll never quit Him another day of your life, honey. Amen. Give God some glory. Those uh, who are missing in action often show up, but they're hesitant to do what God is calling them to do because they are still offended. They may not have walked off literally, but they've walked off in their attitude. Well, who's that preacher to tell me that I'm not right with God because I'm not engaged in my church? I'm just giving you some food for thought. And if the Holy Spirit dials your number, deal with Him and not me. Amen. That's right. But then there's this group. I say these are the ones who accept their mission. Like a good soldier, they know it's going to be hard. They know they're going to get hurt. They know things are not going to go their way. They accept the fact that God may send them into unpleasant circumstances. 
and give them a mission to serve in places that make them personally feel very uncomfortable at times. But they're mission-minded, and they accept their mission because these are the kind of people that you cannot offend if you wanted to. They love Jesus too much to decline his mission. They love Jesus too much to say to the Lord, you're going to have to call on somebody else to do that. You see, we, we uh, can measure our level of love to the Lord by our commitment to him. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. And uh, we can measure our level of willingness to keep his commandments by how much those keeping of those commandments cost us. Amen. Uh, if, if, and I'm going to tell you something. It costs a whole lot more to serve God than most have been willing to pay. Yeah. It's costly to serve God. It, it, I know Jesus paid it all, and that's your salvation. But Jesus also said, take up your cross. There's a price for you personally to pay. There's a price for me personally to pay. We've got to be willing to put our agenda aside and say speak lord thy servant heareth and accept the mission and not be offended when times get tough not be offended when things seem to go south instead of north can i get an amen in john 6 verse 68 peter answered the lord uh, when he asked if they was going to go away too, he said, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. And you can say what you want to about Peter, but he eventually came around full circle. Even though he went fishing, even though he went, he said, you know what? I can't handle this no more. I'm going to do the only thing I know how to do, and that's go fish. And he couldn't even do that anymore because he had a call on his life. And some of you walked away from God. You said, I'm going to do this my own way. And you're miserable. And you're not happy. You've lost your joy. You lost your shout. You're cynical. You're bitter. You're angry. You're critical. And, and you're just an old sourpuss. Amen. You just, whatever, you, people get around you and they can't stand to be around you because you've got resentment in your heart. You have been offended by somebody who has caused you to get your eyes off Jesus. And I'm not being insensitive. I'm just telling you what you need to hear. There are times that we have to say to ourselves, you know what? If I have to be the one to bear the blunt of criticism, ridicule, and pain and hardship to serve God to get this job done, then so be it. And as we sang earlier, you won't regret a mile. Oh, there may be some pains that you wish you hadn't had to, had to endure. People will say things and do things to you in the church world that you never thought possible. You thought that my, under God, church folk ought to act better than that. But here's the difference between the one who is offended and the one who is blessed. The one who is blessed decides to be blessed and not to allow every offense to get them distracted from their mission. I've been a pastor long enough to be able to tell you that if every pastor quit at the first sign of trouble, they wouldn't last a year, most of them. Because people say the darndest things 
people say the stupidest stuff, and I don't want to offend anybody. Amen. I'm not pointing. I not, don't have any any church case in mind when I'm saying this. So don't be wondering. Well, I wonder who the preacher's mad at this week. Ain't mad at nobody. But brother John, you you know I'm telling it right. People can get ridiculous. And some of the best advice I've ever, I was ever given as a pastor, and it's the same advice I'm going to give to you as a congregation. Your success can be largely determined by how much you're able to ignore. Just let it go. It ain't even worth thinking about another minute. Because as long as you dwell on it, you're feeding it, and you're justifying your position, and you're also condemning the person that did you wrong, and you've lost your focus on what God told you to do, the sooner you can forgive and forget and let go and move on, the more blessed you're going to be. And uh, you need to know that God is on your side. You need to know that you're a blessed individual, even not only in spite of, but because you're being persecuted for Christ. What a blessing it is to be able to be counted worthy to suffer shame for the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. What better cause is there to give your life to? Amen. Who are we to think that it's supposed to be easy? Who are we to, 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 think, uh, to, to, to think that God should just uh, roll out the red carpet for us? Amen. Uh, and, and, and line the, the streets with, uh, with, uh, with flowers and just make it all beautiful. Amen. Sometimes uh, you have to go down some dark and lonely roads uh, and it's difficult uh, and it's tiring uh, and it's taxing uh, and it's exhausting uh, and it's discouraging uh, but the Bible still says you're blessed because you're not offended to the point of stopping your mission I'm blessed in spite of and because of the trouble that comes my way for serving God that's the attitude that you've got to get You've got to change your way of thinking and quit having your pity parties and quit feeling sorry for yourself and quit thinking, well, if they only knew what they did to me, they'd understand. Uh, amen. God knows your pain, but He says do it anyway. And God didn't ask you to do anything that He didn't willfully do Himself. Uh, for He made of Himself no reputation and became obedient even unto the death of the cross uh, to do what His Father told Him to do. Uh, and God the Father asked God the Son to do something Something. Uh, he told him full disclosure what it was going to cost. Uh, and, the, the, and the son prayed, Father, not th my will, but thine be done. Amen. He said, I'll do it for you, Daddy. Amen. And I'm not asking you to do anything for Gary Caudle. I'm not even asking you to do anything for Washington Heights Baptist Church. But I'm asking you to do everything you can for Jesus Christ. And if Jesus asks you to do something for me, or if Jesus asks you to do something for this church, uh, you do it for Jesus, not for us. And that way, if we disappoint you, <laughs> you can still do it because Jesus told you to do it, and he knew before you even started doing it that we would disappoint you. But he said, do it anyway. Since when did Jesus qualify who we was going to minister to by who was going to disappoint him? If Jesus said, well, I can't serve those because I can see down the road, they're going to be a huge disappointment. He would not have ministered to one of us. Not one. Jesus saw 
Judas Iscariot's heart and knew that he was going to betray him before he ever did it. And yet he washed his feet on his last day alive before his crucifixion. It's not about us. It's about our Father. And how many times have we declined an open door or opportunity to serve because we didn't like the conditions that came with those opportunities? And it was even perhaps offensive to us that we would even be expected to serve under such conditions. And yet... The Lord is looking for somebody that will serve Him, that will take an assignment and be mission-minded and say, Lord, whatever you want me to do, even if it's at great cost to personal opinions or preferences, I will, I will serve my Lord, I will serve who my Lord says serve, and I will let you deal with the consequences, but I'm not going to be so personally offended that I decline an opportunity to serve my King of Kings and my Lord of Lords. And that's the blessed individual. For Psalm chapter 119 and verse 165 says, Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. And let, me, let, me, let me help you. Let me break that down for just a minute. There is no one in your life that will be, uh, be uh, more invasive, intrusive, convicting than the Lord Jesus he knows everything about you and if you can endure being personally discipled by the ministry of the Holy Spirit through the word of God in your personal life if you can endure that and still serve God while he's working on you and adjusting on you and tweaking you and fixing you and me like, like he does then uh can't nobody else come close to that, the scrutiny. Amen. Sometimes we don't want to talk to the Lord because we know he knows too much. And we don't want to hear what he has to say about it. Amen. Right? But if you'll serve the Lord, he, he knows how to deal with it in such a tender way, in such a healing way, in such a compassionate way. That you'll be both convicted and constructed all at the same time. You'll be both cut and healed all at the same time. Because that's the way the Lord works on us. Amen. And if you can undergo a personal discipleship program with none other than the Word of God and the Spirit of God. Then whatever else anybody else has to say about you won't matter to you. Because Jesus done dealt with your deepest, darkest secret. And he's still working with you. So you don't need their approval. You don't need their acceptance. You don't need their accolades. You don't need their praise. Amen. Because you're serving Jesus. And as long as Jesus has use for you, he knows your issues. He knows your struggles. He knows your problems. Yet he still chooses to use you. He knows, Peter, that you're going to deny him three times. But he also says, when you finally get come back around, I've got an assignment for you. Amen. And that's what he's working on you and me to do is to get us to the point to, to where we're not only tripping over everybody else anymore. We're not even tripping over ourselves anymore. Like I told the Lord many years ago, Lord, 
I, I said, Lord, what if I mess this thing up? And the Lord very graciously and convictingly said, well, you're going to. <laughs> I was like, oh. <laughs> like that was a surprise to God. It was a surprise to me. But what surprised me more than anything is that he still called me. If he chose those that were perfect and prepared and, 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 and talented and, and had it all together and had all the, God don't pick people out because he needs them. He picks people out because they need him. And he will equip them to be used of him. He was getting along way before I ever showed up, and he'll be doing just fine after I'm dead and gone. Amen. God don't need me. God don't need you, but he wants us all. That's the beauty of the gospel. The gospel message is that he wants to bless you. He wants to heal you. He wants to sustain you in your infirmity, in your difficulties, in your transitions in ministry as you serve God. And in incoming starts and, and people start criticizing, people start running their mouth, people start discouraging. You thought they was going to help you. And not only did they not help you, they abandoned you. They talked about you behind your back. Amen. God wants to know if you're going to be faithful to the mission and, or if you're going to get offended. And walk away. You're either blessed this morning or you're offended. One of the two. Philippians chapter 4, I'm going to bring this to a close. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 11 says this. Not that I speak in respect of want, Paul says. For I have learned. Notice the big word, learned. In whatsoever state I am. Therewith to be content. And I did a deep word study on the word content. And you know what I discovered? It, it, it not only means to be held or to be contained with limits and to be quiet. But it also means to not be disturbed. Here was a man who had mountaintop peak experiences with God and deep low valley experiences with God he'd been shipwrecked he'd been beaten left for dead he'd been in prison he'd suffered all kinds of things and he said no matter what state I have been in I have learned how to be content that is I have learned how not to be disturbed by external circumstances to the point that I quit on God and many are not serving God today because they're still disturbed by the external circumstances that God has not in His sovereign will chose to fix for them yet. And so you have your conditions with God. Well, God, I'll serve you if you make it easier. Sir, ma'am, you're offended. And God's calling you back home. And He's not going to make the road easier. But He's going to put power in you to to accomplish the mission that he has called you to accomplish. So, we learn then that a state of contentment and blessedness is found through acknowledgement, not acquisition. Let me say that one more time. A state of blessedness and contentment in God, it comes through acknowledgement, not acquisition of better circumstances. In other words, some of you are waiting to be blessed. I'll be blessed as soon as God answers my prayer. 
I'll be blessed as soon as they apologize to me and tell me they were wrong. I'll be blessed as soon as that, uh, that preacher that did me wrong calls me up and says I'm sorry. I'll be blessed as soon as my ex-wife admits her wrong. I'll be blessed as soon as God helps me out of this financial bind I'm in. And as long as you keep waiting for external circumstances to change before you declare yourself blessed, you will never be blessed because you, sir, you, ma'am, are offended that God has not changed your circumstances for you. God's looking for people that will serve him through the thicket. Briars and all. When I was a boy, I went down to the creek from time to time to go swimming in the summer. One summer in particular, I mean, you know how the boys are. I had nothing but shorts on. I, I walked down there barefooted, didn't have a shirt on, didn't have shoes on, no socks, just, just swimming trunks, all I had on. And, uh, and I was messing around this old... Uh, this old feed mill there next to the little uh, creek, and uh, I had no business messing around in there, and, and I got tripped up and fell down in a pit that was full of briars. And I had to climb out of that mess, stepping on briars, getting snagged. I was, I was a mess. I was scratched up. Can I say this? I was offended. I was so tangled up in the briars, I was pretty much... Uh, is, is, is this a good word, immobilized? <laughs> but there was nobody to help me there. So I had to figure out how to carefully calculate every step, every maneuver, as I was climbing up out of this ditch full of briars. You know where some of you are at this morning? You're in a ditch full of briars in, of life. And you've been immobilized for a long time, and God's here to extend a helping hand. And he's not going to leave you to yourself. He's going to pull you out. But you're going to have to be willing to drop your bitterness, drop your anger, drop your frustration, quit blaming other people for your lack of commitment to God. God, own your personal walk with God and get up and serve God today. And God will help you through it. And there's grace aplenty. There's mercy aplenty. That God will pour in the oil into your wounds as you need them. You don't need those who offended you to be the ones to correct the wrong. You need a Savior who understands your sorrow, who understands your pain and said, uh, while, while we're talking about your pain, uh, let me just remind you what it costed me uh, to even be able to pull you up out of the ditch that you're complaining about today. I took spikes in my hands uh, and in my feet. They put a, a plaid of thorns, a crown of thorns on my brow. Uh, they thrust a, sword, uh, a spear up into my side. Amen. Uh, they ridiculed me. They they mocked me uh, and all this I did for thee so that I can heal you while you're hurting. And when we get our eyes back on Jesus, our problems don't seem to be near as bad, do they? I, I want to, in closing, address your attention now to Matthew chapter 5. I know I'm a little lengthy this morning, but uh, that's nothing new. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 3. Watch your Bible. <laughs> this is what we commonly uh, call the Sermon on the Mount. There is a, a, a common denominator throughout the Sermon on the Mount that you need to pay close attention to. And I want to point it out as we go. 
Verse 1, see, no, verse 2, and he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed. Blessed are the poor. Now, is that present tense or future tense? Present tense. Now, wait a minute. They're poor. They're poor in spirit. Jesus didn't say, one day you'll be blessed. He said, you are already blessed. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Verse 4, blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Now, is there a promise involved? Of course there is. God's going to turn some things around. God's going to fix some things. God's going to answer some prayers. God's going to bring healing. God's going to do some things in his own time and in his own way. But you don't have to wait for the answer to the prayer to be blessed. You're already blessed because you, you've got a promise. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which do hunger and, th hungry and thirsty this morning. You're blessed. For uh, blessed are they that hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Those peacemakers, those people that are always in between two warring parties. Uh, don't you get exhausted trying to keep the peace in your family. Don't you get exhausted trying to keep your mom and your daddy from going into an all knockout dragon. Aren't you? exhausted and trying uh, to referee uh, church members to try to keep them from fighting out even fighting each other and and squabbling and care you know i'm talking to you peacemakers you know how uh, how straining it can be on somebody who tries to keep two opposing forces held at bay from killing one another from destroying one another and the bible says right while you're in the midst of trying to keep peace between two wars going on uh, god said you're also blessed and you don't have to wait for the war to be over to be blessed Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, uh, for theirs is uh, the present tense, the kingdom of heaven. <laughs> I'm already blessed. Amen. I, I, you, you've got to define your blessings by heaven's definition and not earth's definition. I was telling Amy yesterday, we know many people that have a lot more stuff than we do. But we have de declared and acknowledged that we are more blessed than they are. Because we are learning to measure our blessings by heaven's barometer and not earth's. Blessed are you when men shall revile you, persecute you, say all men are evil against you falsely for my sake. And this is the clincher right here. Rejoice and be exceeding glad. Not only does God want you to get over it, but he wants you to be happy about it. Wow, that's exactly opposite of human nature. That's exactly the opposite. But see, you can't keep a blessed man down. When you realize that your blessings don't come from men and, and they, they're not gonna, they, they can't give them to you and they certainly can't take them away from you unless you give it to them, then you know that you are blessed no matter what. Uh, and you can dance, say, man, you can shout the victory. You can walk on cloud 10 today knowing and realizing uh, that greater is he that is in you uh, than he that is in the world. Uh, and you don't have to wait on the promise to shout the victory. Amen. Some of you ask me from time to time, how are you doing? And I might say from time to time, shouting the victory. 
My brother used to ask me, what happened? I'm just out in the victory. He thought something big happened in my life. And I've learned to shout whether, whether the big thing happened or not. <laughs> whether God answered the prayer or not. Whether they apologized to me or not. Amen. <laughs> whether they agree with me or disagree with me. Whether they love me or whether they hate me. Amen. Uh, when you are truly, when you truly acknowledge how blessed you are, you cannot be offended. You cannot be stopped in your tracks from serving God. Because you know who you are, and you know what you are, and you know whose you are. Are you blessed, or are you offended this morning? Has God dialed your number? Is He calling you back to the ranks? Is He calling you back to the front lines? We're already blessed, because blessedness is not determined by favorable circumstances, but by faith in Jesus Christ. You're not waiting on blessings. You're living in them already. Amen. And when Jesus asked Peter, Peter, do you love me? The reason that was such an interrogating question is because Jesus in just a few chapters earlier described the greatest love as that kind of love where a man would lay down his life for his friend. And Peter knew that when Jesus was asking Peter, do you love me? Jesus was essentially asking Peter, would you be willing? to lay down your life for me. Peter had to get through his frustration with that, his battle with himself, the temptation to just walk away and never come back. He had to fight through all that. And finally, he was converted. That is, he was changed. He had a change of heart. He repented of his selfishness. And he said, Lord, thou knowest all things, thou knowest that I love thee. And then Jesus said, feed my lambs. And what Jesus was saying is, get ready, it's fixing to cost you your life, but I want you to do it anyway. Does it offend you that God would ask so much of you after he's done so much for you? Is there a price that he would ask you to pay that's too great for you? Where, where would you draw the line for God? If there's no line to be drawn then you're blessed. And it could cost you everything, but you're still blessed. Everybody standing to your feet. Every head bowed, every eye closed for just a moment. I know this was a weighty and a challenging message, but one that we are desperately in need of hearing and adhering to today. Jesus asked Peter, do you love me? Jesus is now asking you, do you love him? Or are you offended that he would ask you to serve unselfishly? Father, as we bow our heads and close our eyes in your presence.